Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. We're presented by CLNS Media. Today on the show, good friend of the program, Dieter Kurtenbach. He's back. I told y'all, even though Cole is back on the podcast, like Dieter is still here to stay. We love having him on the podcast. He is uh, a terrific giant human being. So Dieter, how are you doing? Well, I was doing a lot better before I got sort of outsized. I didn't know I was on the skids. I mean, I felt I felt it. I didn't I didn't fully recognize it. Now I'm realizing that I have to outdo Cole every time. I'm kind of screwed. The funniest thing that I got was there's that like meme of uh, a guy who's like looking at another girl while his girlfriend looks at right. him like <laughs> like very angrily. And like the the middle guy was me. And then like the girl that he was looking at was Cole. And then you were the angry one in the corner. And I was like, oh, my I God, didn't this see is that. That's amazing. hilarious. <laughs> Um, shout out to whoever sent me that meme that's fucking hilarious you gotta you gotta pin that to the top of the timeline i I don't think i have anything pinned to the top of my timeline but if if i if i had received that i'll i'll pin it to the top of my timeline. i am so i i'm pretty sure they tagged you in it it was fucking hilarious quality Um, filter letting me down again the uh the podcast today is brought to you by what are what are we brought to you by we're brought to you by hymns and we are brought to you, I believe, by RX Bar. So we'll go with Hims and RX Bar today. Uh, hopefully that's right. Hopefully that's right. We'll find out whenever I pull up the copy for today's episodes. Um, if not, we're prepared, shout out. folks. We love them anyway. They are great sponsors of the podcast, and we appreciate them nonetheless. Uh, yeah. All right. So in this episode, we're going to talk about basically, like to me, the bigger stories in the NBA right now. Um, yeah, I think Anthony Davis is now the biggest story in the NBA. Uh, Got to be. The Warriors are probably number two, and then mm-hmm. I think that Celtics and Sixers are like up there for a couple yeah. of different reasons. Like the Celtics have had a bunch of these team meetings uh, to try and figure their shit out. The Sixers have some issues kind of throughout their entire organization right now uh just in terms of the way their roster is built the way that their depth lines up kind of everything because they have these three stars already and it's really hard for them to i don't want to say compete because i still think they're going to be really good in the playoffs but i don't there there are questions there that need answered i think before we can say that they are like a true competitor going forward um then we'll get into things we like the things we like this week are pretty fun actually so yeah i like them Let's talk about Anthony Davis first. So th- this story has kind of exploded, I think, over the last week, really. Uh, let's, just... be, let's be honest here from the start, though. It's been simmering on the, on the stove, on a nice simmer for a while. The heat got turned up this week. Right. Like, it, it started with LeBron uh, last Friday saying, uh, you know, everything about how he loved to play with Anthony Davis and how he's always recruiting, he said in his interview with Rachel Nichols on ESPN. Um, yep. The big issue here, though, more than anything, is that the Pelicans are sitting here at 15 and 20. Like that, that's the, that's, that's yeah. the crux of this, right? They've lost four games in a, five games in a row. I'm sorry. Um, six of their last seven. And in an unforgiving Western conference, that's a significant problem. Like you just, stretches like that will kill you and they have now dropped from like the edge of the playoff picture to 14th in the western conference and look like they're 14th in the west and they're like four games out of the playoffs but still it's a lot of teams to leapfrog yeah now they have to leapfrog all of sacramento utah dallas minnesota and san antonio at the eight seed so like i understand why this is happening now and i think pelicans fans should also understand why this is a story now you know like they've been very right. uh, reticent to 
discuss this because, you know, they were good last year. They make the second round of the playoffs. They figure maybe we take another step forward this year. We, uh, instead of just kind of scraping into the playoffs, we win 50 games and we take that next leap with Anthony Davis potentially winning MVP. Like if they did that, this would not be the story right now. This is a story right now because the Pelicans are 15 and 20 and in some trouble and look like the Pelicans right now would not even be in the Eastern Conference playoffs, which like right. it's not as if they're just being screwed over by Western Conference dominance. Right. So I understand that this is a shitty topic for Pelicans fans. Like it sucks that this has to come up a year and a half yeah. before his free agency even occurs. But we're at the right. point where my fiance is watching a horror movie in the background and like there's just all of these screams i think she's watching drag me to hell and i think think it's also pelicans fans i think it might be pelicans fans too um so look let's it has to be it has to be discussed the the pellies are out of it and they're not out of it like let's let's be clear like they're not out of it right at, at this moment, they are not part of the conversation for the playoffs in a realistic way. I mean, they are, they're right. No one talks about the Timberwolves making the playoffs, and the Pelicans have a worse record than the Timberwolves. That's not to say that things can't change and can't get better. I hope it does. Lord knows I, I have put myself on the line with these New Orleans Pelicans this year. I'm hoping for that two seed, which is certainly not out of the realm of possibility. They're eight games back of first place of the Warriors. Um, at the same time, there's two, there's two big factors here uh, that kind of work against each other. Number one, the, the Pelicans are not really in a position to go out and augment this team at all. And it's fairly obvious at this juncture, regardless of you know, how, how out of it you want to decide that they are, that they need some help, that they need, some, they need another body or two, and that they really lack a, 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 a reliable wing that's going to be in the lineup every day. This is a team that's been hit by injuries pretty hard. There's a larger conversation to be had about that. At the same time, it is what it is, and they they need to they need more bodies. I just don't know how they do that. The second thing is Davis's contract still has another year left. It's not as if he's a pending free agent. In fact, it has two years left because it's a player option for the fifth. Um, but eighteen months out is somewhat of the the period in which we can start really getting into this. Um, but the Pelicans are not in a rush. So when you have sort of the the vulture circling. And with the Vultures, you're talking about the Lakers and the Celtics, the two pre- two of the premier franchises in the NBA, if not the pre- premier franchises in the NBA. Two teams that also probably need to make a move or two to get over that hump uh, just because of where they're at right now and what it is they want to do. Mm-hmm. 18 months out, it is a confluence of a lot of things, and that's going to amplify it. I don't know. It's going to obviously amplify and amplify and amplify, but it escalated very fast because of the circumstances around it. And I don't know if a resolution is going to come fast because I don't think that the Pelicans are rational actors in this play. Yeah, I mean, the Pelicans are just in a very strange managerial position, first and foremost, just because, right. like, you know, we, we don't, we know that Del Demps is running it. Del Demps uh, probably needs to, like, turn this around to keep his job. Uh, just realistically, like, I, I don't know if Del Demps gets to do the rebuild. Uh, I understand that, like, he did yeah. a pretty okay job uh you know getting them to the second round of the playoffs last year but i mean it's it's one of those cases where it's pretty easy to see them starting fresh and starting new as well um if you lose a guy like anthony davis you you have to blow it up and start from scratch and, and so the second guy who would have to go is drew holiday and i would presume not too long after anthony davis goes but if he goes, drew holiday would follow here's the question though with all of this is how far 
do the Pelicans want to like rebuild this thing? Do they actually want to like tear everything yeah. down for bits? Because that like look, yeah. that marketplace That's is not, not yeah. like they're not going to handle a rebuild. Super healthy, right? Like it's, they need to make the playoffs every year, which is why I don't think they're necessarily a rational actor because I don't think their sights are set as high as other teams, and they just want to make the playoffs every year. And for them, that is functional. Yes, they wanted to make a leap this year, but they, they just need to make the playoffs, and that's where their standard is. It's not a championship or bust standard, and it's like that for a lot of other teams around the NBA. So I agree with you. Maybe that that, that is they might drag it out a lot longer because hell, if they're they're well, if this is their last chance at competence, they, they're going to have to hold on to it. I'll say this. I don't think they're going to drag this out. Like, I think that he's okay. definitely a Pelican the rest of the year. Like, no question. There. Okay. Um, okay. But the reason that he's definitely a Pelican the rest of the year, unless, like, the Lakers just decide, fuck this, we're going all in. Um, Kyle Kuzma has to be involved, and apparently they're not talking Kyle Kuzma with anybody. Right. So, like, unless the Lakers just decide, fuck this, we're selling the farm for Anthony Davis. Um, right. The Celtics can't trade for Anthony Davis by rule until July 1st, assuming Kyrie Irving is not involved in the deal due to the funky remnants of the Rose rule uh, right. CBA guys. So, like, the, the Celtics can't have two of those guys uh, designated veterans or designated players on their roster. and. Right both Davis and Kyrie fit that mold. So um, they are not able to make this move until July 1st. And if I'm the Pelicans, I 100% want to be able to use the Celtics as a potential bidding tool. Um, Absolutely. Like even if you don't end up making a deal with the Celtics, having the Celtics as leverage allows you to go around and, you know, say to other teams, hey, we're offering, or we got the Celtics over here offering Jalen Brown and Terry Rozier in a sign-in trade and Marcus Smart. Right. And, you know, we, we got this great offer from them. And, you know, that other team will do their due diligence. They'll find out if they think it's true, if they think it's not true. But, you know, at the end of the day, it can only help to use the Celtics as leverage or to just get a fucking deal from the Celtics, given they have four first-round picks. Um, so let me all, ask you this, then. Let, 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 let me put it to you this way. If, if really you don't feel as if, the Pelicans are going to do anything until they can make a deal with the Celtics, or at least the specter of the possibility of a deal with the Celtics is available. Then why is this feel so ramped up right now? Well, it's, be, it's because LeBron talked about it. It's because LeBron talked about it. It's because why, Giannis why made a note of it. Credence, yeah, why are we lending credence to, an, to something that you don't legitimately think is going to happen? Because I think that ultimately, yes, it, it, to a certain degree, the, the auction has opened. Right. And while the biggest right. bidder, probably the favorite bidder out of all of this, the Celtics, isn't part of the auction, that doesn't mean that the Pelicans can't listen to a lot of other offers and, and have other teams, teams that we're not discussing right now, get involved in all of this. I think I mean, that, that, I that, think the Pelicans. I think what's going to happen, another part of this is that, like, people are asking Anthony Davis about it. Anthony Davis has said now right. that, like, legacy is going to be more important to him than money. Um, you know, I think the <laughs> so, Pelicans want to look at this and look I, I don't think he's like sold on not staying with the pelicans like i think that he actually if they can yeah. make the right moves somehow like if, i have no idea how that works i, I don't look know, but i'm not i don't know to make those moves i'm not sure how that works either um just realistically given the constraints of their asset situation i think that they are in a pretty tough spot but the it, it's really a tricky position here because i do think that they want to make him say no uh mm -hmm. to this you got it to this contract, right? It's like five yeah. years, 240 million. They're going to make them say no to it. And they're going to be like, 
look, if you say no, we're going to move you. Like, there's, right. we have to. To keep our franchise afloat, we can't let you leave for nothing, basically. So um, do we feel like this is the six-month lead-up to I think, the yeah. inevitability? I think this is the six-month six month recruiting lead-up to the availability. Okay. Um, and that's why so this matters. Yeah, okay, so let's view it under that lens. Not so much of a practical... Um, this team can give X or Y or Z. If we're if we're all in cahoots here, and I think we are, that Anthony Davis isn't going anywhere until this summer, um, then frankly, the first and foremost thing we have to think about is what can the Pelicans do to get better? Because they have six months to you know do their recruiting as well. So, and, so um, they, they probably have to yeah. move their first rounder in that case. If no they, question. If this is something they really want to do. Um, yeah. They have to move their and first can, rounder. I mean, the validity of that is, I mean, we, we, you don't want to do that because you want to have that in case he, you know, he leaves. But you kind of, you have to go all in. This is a, this is an all-in player. This is not, there are a lot of guys who have gotten big contracts that I don't know if I would agree they're all-in players. This is a no-doubt all-in player. So you got to move as much as you can. You got to, you got to really sell the farm here. Right. And by the way, I'm not saying that I agree with all of this. I, I don't think I would do all of this, to be honest. Um, but if okay. they're trying to like really go full on in for this, I think you got to move your first round pick for something. Um, probably a wing. It probably has to be wing help, which is very difficult to get. Um, yeah. It's Real- gonna, it's, you're, you're probably not going to feel like you got fair value. Let's put it that way. Yeah, like realistically, I don't really even know like who the names are <laughs> for wings that would become yeah. available because like you're probably looking so your first look is probably toward the bottom of the eastern conference right like could you get could you I get got a name for you so i'm gonna say well you go first okay it doesn't it doesn't make a lot of damn sense but neither did having demarcus cousins on this team and the biggest name that's on a really bad team that's just floating out there is kevin love yeah i was gonna say cleveland i wasn't even gonna say kevin love um but that's like not you don't think the Cavs would you don't think the Cavs would give up? I mean, it's a lot of money, and I don't think the Pelicans would be interested in it. But, like, first round, and I don't know, for, for Kevin Love, like, that's not what the what, what the hell do the, the Cavs actually want. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question. Like, do we think that, what, that what do really we think they could give pick. up? Like, do we think that it's, like, the first round pick that probably drops down to, like, what, 15th or something? So it'd be, like, the 15th overall pick in this draft maybe the 14th something like that in a week draft because the pelicans cannot trade any future picks at this stage um so what you're thinking like kevin love and you get like rodney hood and alec burks or something on top of it like rodney Hood probably because hoods is pretty cheap yeah just just toss some just toss some stuff in there just get as much as you can but get yourself another and it's not an all-star anymore but an all-star player and what you do it for nikola miritich um I don't know. I'm don't trying know. to like I don't make wanna, the, the problem is you don't want to give head. up anything. You don't want to give up anything because they're they're scraping by as is, and I don't know if in the aggregate you can create that much of an advantage with the available players. I mean, the other place that you look with this is is Washington. In in I, I don't think that Bradley Beal is available for anything that the Pelicans can give no, up, but that has to be your first, second, and third call. Yeah, no, I, I don't think they can get Bradley Beal. I don't think that they can get. Honestly, I don't know if they can get Kevin Love. Like, yeah, I know, I know, it, it's it's tricky because you have to give up Miritich, and it's like, well, how much of? A, I mean, let's be. I mean, it sucks that we're saying this, but like, how much of an upgrade is Kevin Love over Nikola Miritich? Yeah, like I, I don't know if it's enough. Um, if I was them, I'd be looking into like giving up my first round pick for. Oh man, I mean, I'll tell like, you, a team. Brooklyn is interesting. Brooklyn's interesting. I think the team above them in the standings right now, the eight seed, the Miami Heat, is interesting because they are stuck in a, a weird state of purgatory. They feel like they're fairly deep, 
I, I know Justice Winslow is not the guy, but I don't know. Take your pick of the litter uh, um, of that team, and, and could, maybe a first round pick can do it because they have to look towards the future a little bit here, here could, so that could they get, get out of this malaise. Could you get? I don't think they'll give up Justice Winslow. I, no, I, for they won't. They, they really like him. They really um, like him, but I don't think they're giving up Josh Richardson. I don't think they can put it t- together enough for Josh Richardson. Could you Josh get Richardson? Could you get like Rondé Hollis Jefferson and like Joe Harris for a first in something? Because what, what getting rid of Rondé does is it clears up the cap sheet to where because Rondé is a restricted free agent this summer. Um, right. They don't have to worry as much about giving D'Angelo Russell money while maintaining cap space. Um, right. I mean, like also you could. I mean, if you really wanted to go crazy, you could do like Rondé Hollis Jefferson, Allen Crab for. This Alan first Crab round might pick. help them actually a, a little bit more. Now the Crab numbers are are rough, but um, yeah, like you'd have I would, to really I prefer buy Joe in. Harris. I mean, you would have to. Joe Harris is an eminently better player and a much cheaper value. Yeah, like you really have to buy into Allen Crab somehow figuring out. Well, I, I mean, what about what about just Crab and and Harris? I mean, Rondé Hollis Jefferson's shooting twenty six percent from three and is a twenty four percent career three point shooter on a team that wants to play four out. Yeah, but he's he's really good though. You play you play him as like the four or five next to Anthony Davis, and he eats. I get I that. Think. Um, I get that. Yeah, I, I would want Rondé. I, I think like Rondé and Joe Harris is but like Joe Harris is really good. Like it might, I don't think you can get both of those guys for just one pick. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. I agree with you on that. I mean that, and then the, the leads to the larger question. You just said they can't possibly do it. Like, yeah, I, I get it. You don't absolutely you absolutely don't want to give up future future draft picks, but. You don't. What, I, what I the just hell don't. are you ever going to get? I mean, I don't. Even if you have the number one draft pick, I don't know if Anthony Davis, a player of Anthony Davis's caliber, is coming around anytime soon. Yeah, no, it's. I do not <laughs> I, know what you. When do. I say sell the farm, I mean like future farm assets as well. Probably is it like? I mean, like, do the Knicks? The Knicks would probably move Tim Hardaway for that money, right? Or for that pick? Yeah, and Tim Hardaway would actually be a nice fit on on the Pellies, in my opinion. But is he worth giving up like a first for? <laughs> like, could, um, you, could you do like Tim Hardaway and yeah. like Damian Dotson, who's been like sneaky useful? Yeah, I don't think Damian Dotson gets it over the worth of first round pick threshold, though. If we're just being totally honest, but with, I mean, with this New is York, tough. There, I, is, again, you're never going to feel like you get good value here. With now New you're York, also taking the key on a massive is, though, contract. That, like, that sucks. The, the key is that they just clear up all of the like cap space that they need to. Right. If you get rid of Tim right. Hardaway. Or is it like, is it, man, it's hard because the Pelicans don't really have like the crazy the expiring deals that they need. Oh, exactly. here's, here's one. Okay. Do you We're do doing this like, live. Yeah, this is fun. Um, <laughs> is it like you get Julius Randle, you get Julius Randle's bird rights to the Knicks. And Julius okay. Randle for me is like the perfect guy to put next to Kristaps Porzingis. So like, okay. is it Julius you know Randle? Think the perfect guy to put next to Kristaps Porzingis is Kevin Durant. But I think that you Kevin do both, Durant. right? Oh, I, okay. I would do both. Okay, okay. Um, I'll hear you. I'll hear you out here. So you do like Julius Randle and what? Like, I'm trying to think of like other. Expi- <laughs> you, oh, you, oh, they have you tell me, buddy. Expiring, but they. Yeah, they can aggregate him before the deadline. So you do like Wes Johnson and like Julius Randle. You get Julius Randle's bird rights because he's definitely declining that option. Um, mm-hmm. Or his non-bird rights, I guess, in this scenario. Right. Um, you hope that you can sign him for what you need to sign him to. Maybe you can't. Um, 
of all the teams, the Knicks should feel fairly comfortable being able to do that. Right, because then they the, the key here is that you get rid of Tim Hardaway's money. And like right. Tim Hardaway actually helps them. I don't even know if you throw in the first there. Or that's like, the, maybe it's yeah, the second. Yeah, that's the thing. Maybe you don't throw in the first. Maybe, yeah. that's, maybe that's how you do it. You save the first, and you're never going to feel great about what you get back for that first. But you know, maybe that's the... the you know the the chip you throw into the nets and say hey how about joe harris for this first um, yeah and like the idea here is that um you just, which i would like, actually feel great about I, like, I think the nets would turn that down or may- maybe it's like tim hardaway and courtney lee you get all get the knicks off of all of their money long term right. Um, right we'll take it on now let's also throw on the second part of this which is we are operating with the new orleans pelicans in this abstract sense where they don't are they are not completely cash strapped and that yeah. they're not on like a per diem from the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, that's a good point. It's real bad, Sam. It real bad. Man, I'm I'm like trying to find the money to get like the Knicks because what well, you could do like because Courtney Lee and Tim Hardaway is like twenty nine million, twenty nine and a half. So okay. you need to get to what like twenty five or so, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, yeah, you, it's hard. You can't really do it. Like it's like Julius Randle, Etwan Moore's kind of fallen off a cliff this year and hasn't been super useful. Uh, he's, uh, he he was actually I thought he was pretty useful for stretches. He's just been dealing with injuries. Also. Yeah, but like it still hurts you to just get rid of a like, depth guy, right? Because like we're trying to add depth, right? That's the point. Yeah, the entire point is you know unless you can get back something that's clearly better in the exit, you don't want to give up any players. Yeah. And the first round pick isn't going to get you very many players. Like and no, it's certainly just, not of worth. It's hard to find seller teams. Like is Phoenix? Is it Phoenix? Like maybe you go get TJ Warren. Yeah, yeah. TJ Warren for a first round pick is something I would be very open to. A but discussion is, about. is Phoenix open to that? Because Phoenix right now has TJ Warren on a deal that looks incredible. Because TJ Warren yeah. at four forty eight essentially or four forty seven or so. We'd like, have to ask James Jones about that. I think he might only operate on things that help LeBron James, and this might hurt LeBron James. <laughs> um, yeah, like I think that if you could go get TJ Warren, that's the move. But I don't. Yeah. I like that. I like that idea. Let's let's you know also say that there is a, a wing, uh, an all star wing who is unemployed at the moment, and I can't believe I'm saying this out loud, but the Pelicans might be in a position so desperate that they might need to sign Carmelo Anthony. No. Okay. Okay. It was thrown. It was thrown out there. It was thrown out. I felt. I felt. I felt the negativity as soon as it was out there. That's bad. Just don't. That was don't tough. It, 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 it. <sighs> it's real tough. It's it's not good. It's not good. I would much rather have two Joe Harris's. Like, is it maybe? Oh man! Like, is Kelly Oubre worth it for them? Shit! I mean, hell! Like, could <laughs> could you do Kelly Oubre and? No, because you can't do the end because he can't be aggregated. So, like, it has to just right. be Kelly Oubre for what a first round pick. I don't think you do that. Yeah. No, you can't make that move. Now, yeah, like, if Dylan, if Dylan, Dylan Brooks is involved in this, now oh, we can have a different conversation. Oh boy. Um. It's hard to find like the teams that would be willing to sell wings is basically what we're getting at here. Like the I'll Knicks you, have wings this, to sell, but are you willing to take on that money? Like could you do yeah. could you do Tim Hardaway and Damian Dotson for Solomon Hill cap filler and a first round pick? What, what, that's where you're, filler, that's what you're asking. I mean, yes. Here's no, the other it's, thing it's Solomon long. Hill and West Johnson. That's the easy way to do it. Yeah, Ugh. I mean, that might be the closest thing to a win win that the Pelicans are going to be able to find. Because certainly no one's going to help them out, and uh, not in this NBA, not with so many teams in proximity. I mean, they're in a, they're in a really shitty spot. Or maybe, um, sorry, it can't be Solomon Hill because Solomon Hill sells money. It has to be Julius <laughs> Randle and not Solomon Hill. Well, then that doesn't help at all. No, yeah. 
Um, it, it's, it's and, or you, or you could do Miritich, and Miritich would have to accept the trade. Like, because Miritich has a non-trade. Um, yeah. Because he's Jesus on that one-year deal. So, yeah, like, maybe that's the move. It's it's real bad. I'll say, let's switch Let's switch the mode of the, the conversation here. Who are some teams other than the, the Lakers and the Celtics that, and I, I mean, I, I guess the... The Knicks, I don't know. Seems like their positioning. I don't know. Um, at least in your mind there. Um, who are some other teams that you think should get involved here in sort of jockeying for position to get Anthony Davis this summer should this wave of events continue and the, the Pelicans sort of hang where they're at and it, it becomes evident that Davis isn't going to sign the uh, the Supermax? Oh, yeah. By the way, uh, Nikola Miritich can't be traded in a package, so this doesn't even work Miritich. So like Pelicans are is, doing great, baby. They're doing great. This, this is fantastic. Is a, yeah, this is a mess. I'm emotionally exhausted thinking about this predicament. Yeah. Um, okay. Who are some teams that should get involved? I would say we, we know Giannis. We know Giannis wants them. The Bucks um, should. The Bucks should call for sure because Giannis yeah. and Anthony Davis might win the title next year. Like that's just what real. about a team? What about a team down the road? City I'm in right now. Bring Anthony Davis back home because bringing players home has never failed for the Chicago Bulls. I mean, like, theoretically, the Bulls should be involved in trying to bring him home. I feel like they're actually in a position where they could offer something of, of worth. Worth might be the wrong term, but, like, they have some players they can move. So why? I mean, I'd be, it's like... I'd be willing to give up a Wendell Carter for Anthony Davis. Sure. And so, so, like, you give up Wendell Carter, you give up Zach Levine. It probably has to be Levine to make the money work. Yeah, um, great. Fantastic. Sounds good to me. But then, like, who does Anthony Davis play with? Laurie Markson. Who else do you need? They're a mess. <laughs> Shout out John Paxson for thinking the only way that you build is through the draft. Yeah. We'll talk about that yeah, later, I'm, by the way. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm sad all the time. So, like... <laughs> so bad. That would be perfect, though, if, like, the two worst predicaments in the NBA, the Bulls and the Pelicans got together and, and made a bad trade baby. I mean, like, here's here's a crazy one. Could Denver get involved? If I was Denver, that's the guy, Ooh. right? Like, Yeah. A little you, bit tricky, obviously, because, you know, can him and Jokic work together? Oh, I don't. Yes. Th- I don't think... Oh, I my mean, God, yes. yes. <laughs> little little top-heavy, though. Give me, give like, me all of Paul, the... And, and Paul Millsap? No, I wouldn't... Yeah, you get rid of Paul Millsap at that stage. Millsap, if I remember correctly, has a non-guarantee next year. Um Oh, on true? the 30.5 million so you just say paul thank you for your service um God damn, might be a great contract by the... yeah i can't remember which well, one look it at is. That. it's a club option for 30 million next year yeah so you get rid of that um you get rid thank of thank you for your service paul Mills. what you trade you have to trade jamal murray for him probably like ja- jamal murray and wancho for anthony davis and you say hey we've got i don't think you think twice about that nikola jokic gary harris Anthony Davis, all these young rotation players. We sign a mid-level guy to make it work, and we take a one-year yeah. run at this. I, I think um, I think you can. Yeah. And by the way, team. if you're the Pelicans, we've said like, hey, like we're, they're not going to make this move this year. Is it possible that the Pelicans, assuming that they cannot get like uh, some Godfather offer involving Jason Tatum from mm-hmm. the Celtics, is mm-hmm. their thought that they can they're not going to do better than Jamal Murray? Well, it depends on what the Lakers offer. I mean, if, if Kyle Kuzma is on the table with a couple of other players, I don't know. I don't. What would a Lakers package look like, in your opinion? Hmm. And let, let's just say Kuzma's involved, because it, it, at some point that that has to. It'd be, or I mean, I think it starts with Ingram, right? Starts with Ingram. 
that doesn't really do that. I mean, I'm not in on Ingram. That doesn't that doesn't do it for me. That that does not move the needle for me in any way. Now, Ingram and Kuzma, we are having an adult conversation, and I think you're in a better position there than is it, is it for Ingram sure. Kuzma Lonzo? Oh Jesus, that's a it's going to be a hard offer to beat there. See, I think that the Celtics can beat that offer pretty easily with what Jason or uh, not Jason Tatum. Well, they could with that's Jason that. Tatum, but like yeah, Jason uh, Tatum probably trumps it. I think Jason Tatum's the best player obviously the best player out of all of those well boston has four first round picks this year so you offer let's say three of oh, those shit. yeah they offer three of those first round picks um wow and, and four, I mean, if you want it or well and Jalen brown <laughs> i would say and terry rozier is a sign and trade to make the money work sign and trades are tough now these sign and trades are very tough that's a good point so let's say marcus smart so you do marcus smart Jalen brown and uh three first round picks four first round picks yeah that would be anything you're not beating that you're not beating it because the first round picks, everyone likes everyone likes the concept of what's in the box. Right. Well, the other the other crazy thing about this that I think has to be considered too is so you have to get to with Boston. By the way, we have to get we have to get to like a twenty five. We have to get to like a twenty five million dollar number, and just because I want to make sure people know, I'm doing the math here. Um, Marcus Smart is at like twelve million next year. I think Jalen Brown mm-hmm. is at like seven million next year. Um, right. So you're going to need to find another player. So you do need to find another guy. Like maybe this is why. <laughs> Oh my god! I didn't even think about this until now. Maybe this is why oh, they no. picked up. Maybe this is why they picked up Yabu's contract. Yeah. Um, god damn, Danny Ainge, you've done it again. Yeah, you paid Yabu way too much money. Um, you said what picks? He's, he is Boston making three point one. That would actually be right in. Right yeah, they they need a little bit more, but yeah, they could they could do this. They have, now now let, Boston let, has let, Sacramento's pick. They have Memphis's pick, and they have the Clippers it, pick. It, it is. I don't. I, I'll, I'll I'll cop to it immediately. I'm not fully. Uh, versed in in the minutia of the cba and contracts but terry rozier is on a player option for next year at 4.28 no he's not he uh he's a free agent next summer what? he has a qualifying offer man hoops hypes color coding is messing me up okay <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a qualifying offer on sports track that's a player option God yeah terry terry has a 4.285 qualifying All offer right, I'm, the I'm, I'm shutting the fuck up I, but, don't, I don't know what i'm yeah. talking about i'm shutting the fuck up um Nonetheless, player options are blue. Why would you make blue player options? Uh, <laughs> oh which, my. by the way, and then immediately a lot of people's thoughts is, oh, well, if the, the Pellies or if the Celtics go out and, and, and get Anthony Davis, and then they have Al Horford and Anthony Davis for a year, and is that the best diversification and all this stuff? And, like, what do you do with Al Horford? Horford's on a $30 million player option. I confirm that. And then, of course, he's, he's done. So you just kind of thank him for his service. What what would be interesting to me there is I wonder if what they do and this could happen. I don't know. I can't remember if he can sign. I don't think he can sign an extension right now. But I wonder if what happens is he declines that player option and signs mm. longer term for a lower number. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone would have an issue with that. But yeah, like obviously he does a lot like chipset three years, fall. twenty million instead of that one year at thirty. Or something. I mean, and by Christ. twenty million, I mean twenty million a year, like three sixty right. instead of one thirty, and then trying to get the rest of the money. Right. I mean, it, it, it's probably the Celtics' game to lose if we're being totally honest, because of those first round draft picks. Yeah. At the same time, the Lakers can make an offer that is going to be very hard. I loved that Denver offer, but the Lakers and the Celtics could beat it if they just want to play hardball. Yeah. And it, this is this is coming down to the Lakers and Celtics, I think. Like no, and the Chicago Bulls. By the way, like, and the other thing that I was going to say here is, like, the team that gets the number one overall pick this year, yeah, that's an interesting place, right? Like, oh, yes, if, yes. 
because uh, there are options available. Right. So, like, say you're the Knicks and you get the mm-hmm. number one overall pick and you have all of this cap space, um, the Pelicans could easily look at Zion Williamson as the yep. guy that they need, right? So, like, yeah. the Knicks, you do Tim Hardaway and I think whatever, like, whatever you need. Tim Hardaway, number one overall pick, and Kevin Knox in, like, whoever, whatever yeah. the Pelicans want, right? You go get Anthony Davis, you have Anthony Davis there. Um, everyone talks about Kevin Durant, you know, New York being New York is the place that comes up most, right? Whenever people talk right. about Kevin Durant, um, that's a hell of a offer, right? Like, hey, come yeah. play with Anthony Davis in New York and make the Knicks great again. <laughs> Maybe we don't use that phraseology, but let's also <laughs> establish that um, you know the odds have flattened out a little bit uh, right. this year with lottery reform and um, or Phoenix. Yeah, it, like if if you're Phoenix and you get the number one overall pick again, you offer everything but DeAndre Ayton and Devin Booker. Yeah. I would probably just rather have Zion if I was Phoenix. I would continue along that timeline as opposed to speeding it up. But Three worst teams all have 14% chance at this bad boy. And if you are the 10th worst team, you still have a 3% chance. I mean, it's um, it's a big change. So, yeah, yep, yep, very interesting. Maybe they, maybe they wait until after the draft. Until maybe it's a draft night trade. Well, they, again, they have to to do it with Boston to get a deal with Boston. They have to wait until after the lottery anyway. So we'll know who is the number one pick. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. This is right. Who who are who are Boston's picks from? Boston's picks are from Sacramento, Sac- Memphis, Sacramento and Memphis, the and the Clippers. I, I literally had that information right in front of me when I asked. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> Sacramento, Memphis, and the Clippers. So um, yeah, not 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 the best. Not the best. Right, but so not bad. It's a weird predicament, I would say, right now, um, to say the least. Very, very strange spot for the Pelicans. I tend to think that it's going to come down to either Boston or the Lakers. Um, I think Boston can do it if they want to do it. Yeah, yeah. No, I think they're in the driver's seat for sure. Yeah. Um, our first sponsor today. Long time. Were you Were you right about uh, who was sponsoring today's podcast? Yeah, sure. Um, sixty-six <laughs> percent of we men care about our business here. Lose their hair by the age of thirty-five, but the thing is that when you start to notice hair loss, it's too late. Uh, if that hairline slowly starts to move backward over the next year, how are you going to feel uh, when you think I could have done something about that? I've got a solution for you. It's forhims dot com, the one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for men. Uh, thanks to science, baldness can be optional. These are well-known generic equivalents to name-brand prescriptions to help you keep your hair. Uh, there's no waiting room, no awkward doctor visits. Uh, you save hours by just going to 4 It's so easy. Uh, products are shipped directly to your door. Uh, order now. My listeners get a trial month of Hims for just $5.00. Right now, while supplies last, see website for full details. This will cost hundreds if you went to the doctor or a pharmacy. Go to forhims.com slash game theory, forhims.com slash game theory, F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash game theory to get that trial month for just $5 today. All right, we wanted to talk about the Warriors. You went to the Warriors Christmas game where they lost by like 30 to the Lakers. 20, 26, sir. Give yeah. them the credit they deserve. Yeah, uh, yeah they, it's, it's one fantastic. of those games. It's one of those games where like they just quit right after a certain that point. Would be, yeah, that that would be the uh, clinical term for what they did. Yeah, yeah. So like, what happens here is I'm at Laura's 
friend's house for Christmas dinner. And I look at the guy sitting next to me watching the game and I go, yeah, they're going to win this game by like 10. Whenever it got to 75-71. You're saying they in the Lakers. No, I was saying the Warriors. I thought Ah. the Warriors got it to, I think, 75-71 to in the third quarter. No, they got it down to two, baby. Yeah, and I was like, okay, they're going to win this game by like 10. Yep, as everyone thought. And then what happened is Rajon Rondo turned into the Boston version of Rajon Rondo and went off, and Kyle Kuzma and Zubac joined in on the fun. Shout out out to Vita Zubac, by the way. He had a... He balled out. He he's, had a hell of a showcase. He's been awesome, like, for the last, like, week and a half, I would say. It's kind of stunning, like, like you watch him play, and you're like, holy shit, like, how the hell was this guy on the end of the bench? Why were they playing Kyle Kuzma solid minutes at the five and not playing this dude? Yeah, 16 points and 11 rebounds against the Pelicans, 19 points and 4 rebounds against the Grizzlies, 18 points and 11 rebounds against the Warriors on Christmas. Uh yeah. He's always been a very talented kid, uh, fell in the draft, uh, in large part, if I remember correctly, due to just like injury concerns. Mm-hmm. Um, just a really interesting big guy. He was very mobile, just a huge body, seven, one, um, pretty great frame, pretty athletic for his size. Just, he was a beast. He was a beast in that game, man. Yeah. And you watch him and you go, you go, don't trade him. Any, any deal you're making for Anthony Davis, don't give up Zubach. <laughs> don't give up Zubats. That's where we're at. No Avita Zubats in the AD deal. Um, that or trade 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 wall. <laughs> Stock is high. Yeah. Uh, so I don't really care about the Lakers in this game. Uh, they played really well. Uh, LeBron yeah, James got nice hurt, play. obviously. Like that's important. LeBron James is now going to be out for a few games. I guess uh, we'll see how the Lakers do. Because again, as we mentioned with the Pelicans, like a three to five game stretch where you lose all those games really hurts you in the Western Conference. Um, mm-hmm. But with the Warriors, fourth game they've lost by double digits, if I remember correctly, uh, at home yeah, this four, year already. Not just double digits; we're talking twenty point margins. Yeah. So and all two very good teams in the uh, Thunder. Raptors, Bucks, and now Lakers. Very good might be a stretch for the Lakers, but you, you understand what I'm getting at. So to me, the concern here is just like Draymond Green looks like shit right now and Clay is not playing well. Um, yeah. Like, to me, it's yeah. it's more that than even like the effort things right like they need to figure out how to get dre playing well again um obviously he's been kind of off and on with injuries over the last Mm -hmm. month and a half so that's a problem uh clay just this has not been a good clay thompson season like we can kind of say that he had the incredible uh what was it 14 point three-pointer game against the Bulls. yeah made 14 threes in one game and um outside of that game he's shooting 31 percent from three this season yeah, it's kind of bizarre. So shooting thirty three percent with it. So yeah, bad either way, like that's not who Clay Thompson is. Clay Thompson has never had a season below forty percent from three. It it doesn't even like fathom. Like he he's shooting like Tim Hardaway Jr. out there. Right. So I don't know what to make of that. That is just something weird that is happening. I feel like, and I don't I, I know. Can, how to... I can tell you what the problem is. Go ahead. He's not ma- he's not making open shots and. But now, like, there, there has to be, be some sort of like underlying thing, right? I, well, one would hope that there's a better answer for this, but uh, his shot looks fine. I'll say this. He, he leads the NBA in mid-range shots taken this year. He's shooting more mid-range shots than DeMar DeRozan. I'm going to go out on a limb and say he could cut that shit out, and that might help things. Um, I mean, because this is the big... You mentioned Draymond. The Warriors have survived without Draymond making threes his entire NBA existence, save for 2016. Um, the issue is he's not making plays. 
But that's fine. That was a one-game thing. He's made a lot of plays. His turnover percentage is high. I'm not worried about Draymond's offensive game. This is more or less what Draymond is offensively. The concern is, of course, Clay. And now teams have figured out, like, basically try to take away Steph Curry as much as you can. Try to take away Kevin Durant as much as you can. You saw the Lakers double-teaming both of them early and often. And basically saying Clay Thompson and Draymond Green are going to have to beat us. And Draymond didn't do enough playmaking by any stretch of the imagination to, to beat the Lakers. And Clay is just... He's overthinking the situation when he has the ball in his hands, and he's doing stuff that isn't in rhythm, isn't in the Clay Thompson Tau. And then when you add in the fact that dude has a 50, 51% effective field goal percentage, or 36% effective field goal percentage on uh, open shots this year. Yeah. 36. Like, that's not going to hold, I would think. That's, that's, I mean, that's what we're saying. Like, it, yeah. it shouldn't hold, and if it doesn't hold, then the regression is going to scorch the goddamn earth. Right. Um, but like that said, that said, it's happened this long. So there's something and it, n- no one's able to point out anything mechanically. That's the issue. So part of it might just be what's going on in his head because, okay, fine. You take out the mid range shots. That doesn't explain him missing two thirds of his wide open, like defender six feet away, three pointers. It's clay fucking Thompson. So it might be something psychologically. It is a contract year for him. I, I, I don't know. I would venture to. I would bet on Clay just breaking out of it, and if that happens, mother of God, he's going to make a lot of threes. He's going to go like ninety for his next one hundred uh, to get back to where he normally should be. But it might just be a weird year. We see this stuff in baseball sometimes, where like really good hitters, they can't explain it mechanically. They just don't hit one year, and you know, is what it is. <laughs> they they bounce right back the next year. But bad year to have a you know worst year of your NBA career, right right into contract year. So there's that, but like. Clay doesn't worry me, I guess. Like, I I think everyone just assumes that it's going to bounce. Yeah, I I just don't necessarily ascribe to that assumption anymore. Like, that was fine after two months. But we're in December now, and it hasn't gotten any better. I mean, let's not not forget, when he did that 14 three-pointer game, he was in a funk before that. And then he gets the 14 threes, and everyone's like, oh, Clay's fine. We were all worrying for nothing. And what did he do? He went right back into a funk. Yeah. And he hasn't gotten out of it since. And that was in October. So I, I, I just don't necessarily believe that this is something that we can brush off as, oh, it'll eventually come around. And the Warriors are of that mindset. And, and maybe they deserve the benefit of the doubt on this. But, like, I'll say this. I, I, I've never heard Clay as chippy and pissed off as he was when we talked to him after the Christmas game. Talked being uh, in quotation marks because it was like a four- forward back and forth like i'm not worried i'll be fine team's playing good like clay's not like that clay's not chatty guy by any stretch of the imagination but when he wants to say something he's usually very thoughtful and coherent in what it is he wants to put out uh and he's kind of getting a little bit pissy and i don't listen i'm not going to psychoanalyze clay thompson because i don't think anyone can break that code honestly certainly not me i'm not classically trained or contemporarily trained but I, I just there's there is a seed of doubt very much in my mind that Clay that there's just something up with Clay and that we're never gonna we're never gonna piece it together and that this season is just going to be totally lost. I hope I'm wrong because it's not fun watching Clay miss a bunch of wide open shots. It breaks things that I took for granted and I don't like my world being upended that much. But um, this is too long to just say uh, it's going to go away. So let- it, it's it's just been too long. Let's talk about the guy that I am actually a little bit worried about, uh, Draymond Green. Okay. Why are, you, why are you worried about Draymond Green? What is your big concern here? The fact that he can't shoot anymore. 
When was the last time you felt Draymond Green could shoot? There was a difference, though, between... This is their levels to not being able to shoot, right? Like Absolutely true. Very true. So, like, in his first two years, where he was, like, an actual rotation player, um, mm-hmm. couldn't really shoot, but, you know, like, he made defenses pay a little bit. Like, he still made... 33 34% like something like that and yeah. like, he's a 32% career three point shooter right uh then he had the big year the like what was it he shot like 37% yeah he like went that. he went on a he went on a stretch where he made about 50% of his threes during that warriors winning streak he was 38% in 2015 2016 when luke walton was the coach of that team during that winning streak um clay or dre felt pretty liberated to to fire the three, and he uh, he averaged you know three point two per game. That this was, if we, you remember correctly, the blow up that, that they had in Oklahoma City at halftime, the one where Draymond told Steve Kerr to suck his dick. Um, that that blow up was because Steve Kerr was telling Draymond not to shoot threes, and that was the main bone of contention between them. Because I'm not a robot, all this stuff was because Luke Walton did not care if Draymond shot the three, and that confidence. And just getting hot at the right time sort of begat this, you know, hubris towards the three-point shot that then Steve Kerr kind of sniffed out the second he came back into the fold. And uh, he hasn't really recovered since then. Right. And, like, the last two years, he's been at 30%. Um, But Mm -hmm. the difference the last two years is that he was more willing to drive the ball. He was more willing to – and honestly, like, that first year and even a little bit into the second year, I think, defense has just played him closer. Like, I thought that yes. they actually tried to stop him from shooting a little bit more than what they're doing now. Teams are just flat out not guarding him out there right, right now. And right now, I don't think he's feeling confident enough to, like, go in and drive and try to create things. He's averaging 6.9 field goal attempts per game this year. Like, that is right. kind of remarkable for a guy playing 30 <sighs> minutes. Like, per 36 minutes, he's taking eight shots a game. That's not normal. It, not for him. I, yeah. I'll, I'll say this. He's down almost two shots per game since last year and in, in, in four shots per game since 2015-16 um, and the year before that, the t- uh, first title team. Draymond, the gimmick defense is kind of a new thing that they've thrown out the last couple of days. And Draymond has never really gotten that much slack coming from the defensive attention to him. I'm not worried about Draymond in the sense that he is still an incredible playmaker Uh and he just needs to feel out the situation a little bit here. Let's not forget this guy missed a bunch of time. Um, he's coming back from right. a toe injury. He never really fully recovered from the litany of injuries he had last year that he played through. His shoulders just broke. I mean, it, it's 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 bad. The backpack is 100% on every time he shoots. Um, and he, I don't think he will ever be a decent three-point shooter or even a, a, a passable three-point shooter again. But... This dude can drive and get to the hole and distribute the ball and all this stuff. He can run the offense out of the high post as well as anybody. But, but here's, uh, on here's that the other team. problem, though, with it. He just needs like, to feel it out. He just needs to get that timing and that feel back. And when you start doing this super slag off defense, it, it's hard. You're like, what? you have to kind of pause and take stock of it. If teams really want to do that more and more, the more familiar he becomes with that, I think the more he's going to exploit it. Because it's not as if the Warriors don't continually run around him. The longer Draymond has the ball, the more time Stephen Curry is running around like a whirling dervish playing Rover and getting himself open when you didn't expect him to be open in the opposite corner two seconds later. Right. So you mentioned that like he's still a really good playmaker. And yes, he still is good vision. <laughs> Yeah, but he has a twenty nine point three turnover rate this year. 
Yeah, it, it's uh, it, it's not it's not good. It's, he he has he has never he has not found the speed of the, the game yet. Yeah, I mean, just straight up, he hasn't found the speed of the game. It was okay at the beginning of the season, but he was really sloppy. They were running pretty much all of the offense with him as the point guard at the beginning of the year. It wasn't going great. He just seemed to step off. There was just a lot of stuff where you're just like, man, he's just kind of a step behind. And frankly, I'll, I'll be I'll be frank. I, I thought he came into camp fat, and he he was kind of chubby through the beginning of the season then he gets injured he's out for a lot longer than he said he was going to be out he's come back he's put together some decent games but he looked really bad against that lakers game and that was a good defensive game plan by luke walton who knows that dude's head a little bit just saying he will hesitate if you give him this much room let's give let's exaggerate it to the point where he has to take stock of the situation and he did and now he's seen it and now they can practice it a little bit I'm sure other teams will try the same thing. And I just I, I just trust that basketball IQ that the more he sees it, the more easily he'll be able to exploit it. And I, I don't think that's necessarily a three-point shot, though it'd be nice if he'd knock some down because it would make the problem go away. But it is playmaking and dribbling and forcing the defense to activate against him. As soon as that happens, the Warriors are back. So this has happened before in the playoffs, and it wasn't an issue. He just clicked in. But when you're adding in the apathy of the Warriors not giving a damn about December games and Draymond being slow and not really feeling like he wants to be back to 100% right now because what the hell does it matter, it creates this cacophony of a bad situation. And and again, I cannot stress enough how Luke Walton knows that there's like some charge there with Luke Walton and Draymond Green and three-point shots and Steve Kerr and all this stuff. There's some some soap opera digest nonsense there. And um, it just, it, 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 he got, Draymond was in his own head. The Lakers got into his head. I don't think that, say, the Portland Trailblazers uh, this weekend are, are going to be able to do the same thing, even if they, they play the same sort of a defense. Uh, I, I just, I have the utmost, I don't think Draymond's ever going to make a lot of threes. I think his three-point sh- shot is broken, but I have the utmost faith that he'll just start getting back. He'll 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 make things click a little bit more. I can explain how he gets back into things. The clay thing is this abstract concept. No one can really explain it, and that's why I don't necessarily have all the faith in the world that it's just going to click back in because I don't understand it. So a lot of this stuff with Dre is pretty limited sample because he's only played twenty-one games so far this year. Exactly. Um, third percentile in spot-up situations. 11th percentile <laughs> in transition. 5th yeah. percentile. He was really bad in transition at the beginning of the year. I mean, and, and they wanted to run the ball with him as the point point forward in transition, and he was just throwing the ball into the bleachers like once every three possessions. 44% turnover rate in transition. Um, yeah. 5%. But, they, but it's but like it's Draymond Green. Like it, yeah. it's, it's older, Dre. It's, this, is, this is always the question, right? Like, when does yeah, this end for him? Um Fifth percentile on cuts, 33rd percentile on pick and roll roll man, zeroth, zeroth percentile on post cuts. Zeroth. I'm just they making have not it up. Been posting, they have not been posting up Dre as much. Yeah, he's uh, only done is, it 13 times this year. That used to be a tenant of the Steve Kerr offense, and they are not doing it as much because Kevin, maybe, listen, here's a little drama for you that I'm kind of making up on the spot here, but they have <laughs> wanted to, no, I'm telling you, like, think, it's not hard to infer what I'm getting at here. I'm not going to, you know, blow anything up, and I'm not inferring that there's any sort of, um, if this, then that here, but they have been running a lot more post looks for Kevin Durant, uh, stuff that they really didn't do all that heavily until last year's postseason when Steph wasn't around and they decided to go iso ball against the um, Spurs and, and Pellies in the first two rounds because they needed KD to carry them. They really haven't gone back to the original offense. 
they really haven't gone back to where Draymond sort of runs the triangle out of the low post and everyone works around him. Uh, they're doing it through KD, who is a, a, a good playmaker, but certainly his skills can be used in, I don't know, any other way known to man um, and get somewhat, you know, maybe limit his effectiveness to a degree. But you maximize Draymond Green if you have him on the post a little bit, and they just haven't done it this year. Maybe that's something the, the Warriors need to go back to just to get him back into a rhythm. Big other issue right now, 26th percentile around the basket on non post-up opportunities in the half. Yeah. Um, that's, that's the shoulder right there. Yeah. That's... And just like getting older and being, as you mentioned, you think he's a little bit overweight, like not having that experience. Yeah. Like there's a difference between he, he worked himself into shape and then he got injured. Right. Like there, <laughs> there is like still a general level you have to be at right in terms yes, of like 100%. being able to explode there's like a baseline level and right now i think he's a little bit below that baseline level to be able to score around the basket effectively um right. i'll say i'll say this you mentioned drives earlier he's down to like 1.5 drives a game I yeah mean, he's not driving very much at all and it's that's a tenant that's a tenant of it right like the entire premise of why they want draymond green to run the ball out in transition is because he'll just go to the hoop he doesn't give a shit and he can get to the hoop in transition and so if they're giving him all this slack it's a quasi transition opportunity it's a half court transition opportunity that he just hasn't taken and i think that that isn't listen it's confidence now confidence can be a byproduct of physical limitation, uh, either one that can't be overcome or one that can be overcome by getting into shape a little bit more. But it, it's one of those things where it's like, here is a solution to this problem. Draymond Green needs to cut to the basket more when they leave space for him. Not not make the three. See, knock down a three every now and again, or at least shoot the three every now and again. But he needs to make split-second decisions, and he admitted this after the Christmas game. Split-second decisions, no hesitation. You're either driving or you're shooting, and there's no second thoughts. And he just hasn't gotten into that pace yet. Now, how effective will he be if he doesn't even hesitate? I don't know. Maybe he'll never be back to what he was. But if you add in all of the physical limitations and now mental hes- hesitations, he's screwed. And that's what we're looking at. I think he is a br- he is a virtuoso basketball player. He is brilliant. I will never doubt that man's mind to get to the right spot. I will doubt his body, but his mind has gotten him this far, and I'll trust it to kind of get him back to where he needs to be. All right, I'm here for that. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I, I'll Draymond stand all day, every day, man. Like this is that—that's my dude. You do love Draymond Green. You do absolutely I, love him. I call him the Steph Curry of defense. Let's also establish that he's been shit on defense this year by his standards. I mean, he's been the Warriors' best defender. He's been bad since he came back. He was actually really good, I thought, early in the season. Right. No that 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 is that is what I should have said. You're correct in that. Um, that's that's a thing, and the Warriors without him have been quite bad uh, defensively. Uh, well, not quite bad, but significantly worse and not championship level by any stretch uh, when he's not on the court defensively. So that that's a thing too. Draymond Green has a lot of value to the Golden State Warriors. Now there's a bigger conversation to be had about what kind of future value and what kind of contract value he has to the Golden State Warriors, but. Um, I trust that he'll get it right, and I, I, if you had to make, make me bet, I would say that Clay Thompson is going to go on a streak here pretty soon, and we're not going to be talking about the Warriors in some sort of chaos anymore. But it doesn't fix the apathy, and um, it doesn't fix the fact that the margins between them and the, the rest of the NBA are a little bit tighter than they were in years past. It's uh, interesting times in Oakland. It's very bizarre that we're almost halfway through the season and the Warriors are seventh in net rating. They're seventh in net rating. I'll say this, though. They didn't play yesterday, and they jumped to first in the Western Conference. So I wish we all had problems where we could be worrying about if the Warriors were over while they're sitting in first place. Yeah, yeah. This this is where we're at. 
the Warriors are still good at basketball. They're just not as good as their typical standard at basketball. Everything is expectations versus reality, man. And people were talking about 74 wins with this team because they don't understand how little of a shit they give during the regular season. RX Bar, baby. RX Bar is a whole food protein bar. Uh, they want to build things the right way. They believe in the power of transparency and let the core ingredients do all the talking with them uh, listed on the front of the package and they list the taste ingredients on the back of the package. Um, you know, it turns out real food ingredients actually taste good. Uh, RX bars are gluten-free, soy-free, dairy-free. Whether you like sweet or savory chocolate or fruit flavors, there's definitely an RX bar for you. They're great for a number of occasions, breakfast on the go, a snack at the office to push you through your 3 p.m. Uh, you know, struggle. Uh, yeah. You know, throw in that bag for a plane ride, toss in your backpack for a bike ride, or a pre- or post-workout snack. Uh, they come in 14 delicious flavor varieties, mango, pineapple, chocolate, hazelnut, uh, all the way to chocolate sea salt uh and uh, peanut butter uh they have seasonal flavors as well and uh they've since debuted rx nut butter which contains a few simple and similar ingredients like egg whites fruits and nuts it's squeezable and spreadable and pairs great with fruit rice cakes pretzels or straight out of the pouch um Look, RX Bar is great. They've been a sponsor for a long time in the show. It's because I really believe in the product. Uh, for 25% off of your first order of the bestseller variety pack, visit rxbar.com slash game theory and enter that promo code game theory at checkout. Valid in the United States only and for a limited time. Go to rxbar.com slash game theory. Let's do some quick thoughts on the Celtics and Sixers. Do you have any, yeah, uh, tight, baby. Yeah, do you have any, any strong opinions? Yeah, I think. Um, well, here I, I'll, I'll just I'll hijack a uh, a take from uh, Matt Ellentuck, who's writing for SB Nation. Headline: Ben Simmons needs to shoot jumpers before we take the 76ers seriously. Uh, I highly recommend that uh, everybody read it. It was the best thing I read today. It's something that I think we all kind of think in the back of our heads, but then we watch Giannis, and he doesn't shoot any jumpers, and he's about to win MVP. And the Bucks are very, very good at basketball. Um, and you just go, well, yeah. Who needs to shoot? Who needs to shoot jumpers when Giannis can do this? Well, I, I do think that that Ben Simmons needs to start doing shooting jumpers because, as this article so wonderfully puts together, he, he's becoming extremely predictable on the offensive end. Yeah. And against really good defensive teams, guys like you know Al Horford and the Celtics, um, he's just kind of walking right into traps that they keep setting. And Giannis. It, it, Say what you will, uh, he, he is a super freak athlete, just like Ben Simmons, on probably even a different level than Ben Simmons, if that's at all physically possible. Um, he ain't predictable. For some reason, That you just can't get a read on that guy. People are getting reads on Ben Simmons. This guy has turned it over. He's on pace, per this article, to uh, to turn it over on on uh, losing the ball. So this the ball is stolen from him 79 times this season. Because basically, teams know where he wants to put the ball on the floor, and they're just standing right in the way, and he'll dribble yeah. it right into them. Um, if you knock down a couple of jumpers, if you knock down a couple of 15-footers, or hell, if you just shoot them and you make them respect, kind of the thing we were talking about with Draymond Green a second ago, um, if you just make them respect you from a certain spot, a lot of the floor opens up, and the floor is sort of condensing in on Ben Simmons a little bit. Boston Celtics are probably the, the team that the Sixers have to worry about most in the Eastern Conference right now, they're kind of both in that that second tier, trying to make that jump up uh, with the Bucks and the the Raptors, and that's a good rivalry they got going on. Ben Simmons is going to need to start knocking down some jumpers if, if the Sixers think that they can get past the Boston Celtics. Uh, I, I don't. Uh, so, but by I the way, a lot of faith. I, I'm just going to say this right. Um, like JJ Redick missed what like a 16 
like 18 yeah, it's not footer, something like that with game. time right. expiring to no you're like, right. if you're jj right. reddick right. makes this shot the sixers win and everyone's like oh yeah this is fine uh they're still figuring no, things yeah. out but let's 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 really but not fine i shouldn't the, say the fine but like yeah like everyone the, everyone feels a little bit better about them compared and everyone in boston's panicking a little bit more because of the results but let's look at like the methodology like which team would you rather be right now i'd much rather be the celtics yeah, no question. Uh, and like, look, this is uh, the Sixers have two more wins than the Celtics, if I remember correctly, right now. Yeah. Um, but I agree with you. I'd rather be Boston going forward. I think that they just have a better uh, group that fits a little bit more coherently together. And you know, the the Simmons shooting issue is an, is a problem. Um, the depth is an even bigger problem to me. Yeah, like they we just, talked about that last time. It's a really big issue. Yeah, they just don't have enough dudes. Uh, they played an overtime basketball game. And one player on their bench, and it was TJ McConnell, played over 20 minutes. Yeah. Like, yeah, that ain't good. Like, they have Amir Johnson, Jonah Bolden, Demetrius Jackson, and Shake Milton were the guys who dressed in that game that didn't play. And, like, yeah. I like Shake Milton. I think he was, like, a steal for them at 56. He was still, like, the 56th <laughs> overall player in the draft last year. It's a very tricky dynamic right now, I think, for the 76ers. Um, the Celtics. Uh, they're figuring shit out like they, they've had a couple of team yeah. meetings over the last uh you know week and a half i guess week week and a half it seems mm-hmm. like um apparently they've all gone pretty well they start they've started to understand each other a little bit better um to me it seems like jason tatum i don't have numbers to back this up but it seems like he's taking fewer mid-range jumpers and his efficiency yes, is very much a little bit that way. Yeah. um you know it's they're fine like I, I'm just at the point where they're fine. Uh, Kyrie is I will playing really well I will. now. Um, yeah, yeah. But, maybe, maybe, perhaps though. Just being totally honest, maybe we we put too high of a ceiling on them. Maybe they're just not going to be as good as we wanted them to be this year. That doesn't end. It doesn't stop their long term trajectory where they're going to end up taking over for the Warriors or whatever it is we all sort of think is going to happen. Three, four two years down the line um but you know growth isn't linear as as you will know with any any prospect and um kind of bringing it up ad nauseum obviously with with tatum and brown and their difficulties in their second year trying to figure out third trying to figure out what it is that they're they're all about but you know maybe the celtics growth as a team is, is also non-linear and that they're just they're just not going to get to where we thought they would be this year that doesn't mean they're not a good team doesn't mean that they can't figure it out in the playoffs but um Regular season basketball. I don't know. I, I thought they'd win sixty something games. Maybe, man. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't clearly there. now that. Uh, I, w- yeah, I was not maybe, there. <laughs> maybe, maybe your maybe your uh, pessimism comparatively uh, puts you in a spot to where this where where this is a ridiculous concept where you are always where they were always good. You, you were right all along. Uh, I, I just think that maybe expectations might need to be lower just a little bit for these Boston Celtics because it's not as if they're bad while they quote unquote figure things out. Like they're pretty damn good. Um, but expectations versus reality, right? Yeah, I mean, they're 20 and 13. They have an above average offense and they have one of the two or three best defenses in the league. Like, yeah, and, and how, I mean, how many games fine. have they got? How many games have they gotten together? Like, yeah, no squad. Doesn't feel like a ton. Like, I'll say that. Four, um, four. I think it's four. Yeah, I believe that. So I, I'll be worried about them come Valentine's Day if they're still having t- team meetings. Like, that's, that's my official stance. Yeah. Um, Give me the thing that you like this week. I like DJ Wilson. Um, as an Ohio up, State grad, I cannot condone that. <laughs> Sorry. I, I, uh, as someone who doesn't watch a lot of Big Ten basketball, DJ Wilson wasn't a very familiar name to me. Um, he bounced around the G League for like 
almost two years. Uh, now he's just showing up. I, I saw. I was watching a Bucks game the other night, and I'm like, "Wow, that guy's really long. Who the hell is that?" And you look it up; it's DJ Wilson, and you realize that he, he'd been labeled a bust. Um, he was a first round pick, a mid round, mid first round pick. Yeah, I, uh, I thought that. that I thought he was over selected in that draft. Well, I had him at yeah. like <laughs> I had him at like probably twenty eight or so on my board, and I think he went seventeen, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it sounds about right. Um, he is. Such an interesting defensive talent, and he's got a pretty good offensive game inside of that five-out system. And I, I, it's just one of those really exciting things because we all know that the Bucks are good, and we all know that the Bucks are probably going to be in that hunt, even even with a young team, even with the first-year coach, even with kind of all the things that are going against them. They're they're going to be in the thick of things come the end of May, I would argue, or at least the middle of May. Um, and having a, just finding a guy like DJ Wilson, who you out of nowhere. Uh, someone that no one expected to turn into a what is appearing to be a solid rotation player and a guy who can give you 20 minutes a night be really as a plus defensively. I mean, he, there was one clip I saw of him where he guarded like four different dudes on one possession without hesitation, totally seamless, looked like he had an incredible defensive IQ. And then he can also knock down a shot every now and again. Like, just being able to find that guy in the G League Yes, there's context there, but he was not a guy that they were counting on at this season, and he's come out of nowhere. He's a really he, he looks like a really good player, man, and it's just exciting. It, it speaks to what Coach Bud and that staff that they have there, and they, they've really put a lot of money and effort into building up a good uh, top-to-bottom coaching staff, including the, the herd, their G League team. Um, it's kind of exciting. It's, uh, it, it's perhaps a testament to all of that hard work, and I think it makes the Bucks just a little bit better, and I'm kind of riding hard for the Bucks these days, so I really, really like it. DJ Wilson, if you haven't watched him yet, I'm sure you'll notice him more than a few times the next game you watch at the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, I was at the G League Showcase um, last week, I guess that was, and yeah. uh, I had someone mention to me that they thought Jordan Brady was a really good coach, who is their mm-hmm. uh, head coach right now of their G yeah. League team, the Wisconsin Herd, as you said. Um yeah, I, I had not really known a whole lot about him. He's like a younger guy. I think he's in his 30s. Uh, and yeah, a lot of people have told me that they think he's a really, really good coach. Uh, we'll see where that goes from there, I guess. It's hard It's hard to argue that point when you watch DJ Wilson play, man. Because it ain't, it ain't Bud who did all that hard work to sort of get him up to NBA scruff. I mean, it certainly... Having Bud helps and their great system and all that, but uh, I mean, it's been a reclamation project for a guy that, in theory, shouldn't have had to be reclaimed. But uh, man, I don't know. I mean, have you watched? Have you gotten watched him very much recently? I have. He's only played about seven games. Yeah, like he's been fine. I think. Um, I don't he, know, man. I, I I feel some sort of way about it. Like I, I'm feeling. I totally get it. The flashes defensively are like very real. Um, yeah, he looks like very good. Uh, defensively right now like he can actually really move his feet he's playing yeah. very real minutes over their last five he, games like he's and let's just and just let's just and he has potential to I shoot mean, it by the way like yeah and he is it long as been. fuck he yes. is stupid he's long. plus five in terms of wingspan so yeah which which i mean that's right to the bucks that that is the bucks mo which is we're just going to be the longest team in the nba i mean even eric bledsoe is like long so man if you don't have your buck stock already, DJ Wilson's another reason to buy some. Yeah, I, I like it. I like DJ Wilson uh, enough. You're, I guess you're staying. You're staying in the uh, in the conference, and you're I staying am. in the in the division. For the thing that I like, 
I like the Indiana Pacers, and here's why I like the Indiana Pacers, and it gives me a chance to take a shot at John Paxson, because <laughs> this is just the most fun thing in the world to me. Um, so John Paxson, over, I want to say it was, well, I think it was the 26th, um, maybe, it was, maybe it was Christmas Day, I forget. When, Merry, whenever, Merry Christmas, everyone. Here's an asinine comment. Yeah, he said, uh, unless, unless LeBron James or Kevin Durant are coming to your organization, it, you have to build through the draft. That's, that's just the way you build. Um, that's just like, look at the Pacers. Like, that's not true. You can look at a team in your own division. Um, Victor Oladipo was traded for. Demonis Sabonis was traded for. Those are your two best players, in my opinion, right now. Um, yep. Look, you can say that, like, they drafted and developed Paul George and thus were able to trade him for Victor Oladipo and uh, Demonis Sabonis. I think it's a different skill to have evaluated two guys that people had a lot of questions about uh given their nba situations like victor oladipo I, he wasn't a bust as the number two overall pick just because that 2013 draft was like pretty bad but yeah there were some serious questions about just how good he is um Damanis sabonis they were playing him like in the corner having him shoot threes uh in oklahoma city he was not doing anything that he does now for indiana they evaluated yeah. that and made it work boyan bogdanovich was signed as a free agent uh darren collison who's been their starting point guard now for two years was signed as a free agent um they drafted miles turner i'll give them that uh if i remember yes. correctly they traded and, and god for- knows where would they be without miles turner yeah, and like Miles is fine. They just gave him a big extension. We'll see if yeah. it works. Um, so he's like the biggest question mark on that entire team, but he's the one they drafted. Right, like they they chose to trade a pick for Thaddeus Young. Like that's not to me. That's not what John Paxson's talking about. They're trading picks for like established players, right? No, like he, he's he's talking about with the fourteenth pick, we are selecting. Yes, yeah, Cameron Payne. Um, Jesus. Well, they didn't select Cameron Payne. That was Oklahoma City, but yeah. Lord knows they've taken on that burden. Um, you know, Corey Joseph signed as a free agent. Um, mm-hmm. Tyreek Evans signed as a free agent. Doug McDermott. That isn't going great, agent. to be fair. The, the Tyreek thing isn't going well, but no, yes. but like he's Point at least made. steadied them in a way, right? Like having him and Corey Joseph on the roster uh, is like okay. An That's a very optimistic way to look at it. Sure. By yeah. the way, like I'm not trying to shit over the Pacers. I think they're second in the Eastern Conference right now, and they are a joy to watch, and they are really, really good. Yeah. And, and by the way, I think Corey Joseph might have been like a sign and trade after free or during free agency. Now that I think, yeah. About it. But um, look, there are different ways to do this. The Pacers, I think, have done the most interesting job of team building, maybe in the NBA, out of like the good teams, right? Yes. They've taken. Yes such a fascinating path to get the team that they have that is really working that is one of the two or three best defensive teams in the NBA that still finds a way to get enough offense despite Victor Oladipo missing uh, a large swath of the season like I'm just consistently impressed by the way the Pacers have done it and I think that they are proof above all that you know John Paxson is just a mess and not very good at what he does. Um, well, it's good. That, it's good that someone's finally taking the brave stance and going out against John Paxton. Yeah, so I'm really is, glad that you, this is a you're very telling sh- truths like this. Strong take. I know um, that John. <laughs> the lamestream media good. doesn't know what's about to hit it. You're you're gonna put John Paxton on notice, right? And like I tweeted out, like making fun of John Paxton, and I had a bunch of people like in my mentions, like, "Oh yeah, you need to do this." You know, the draft is the draft is the thing, right? Like it leads to everything else. And I'm like, no yeah, one's sh- arguing the draft isn't important. Sure. Your entire job is the draft is important. Yeah, like the, the notion, the notion that that's the only way to build is so 
close-minded. It's just like, look, the Warriors built through the draft, but... Yes. You know who else they got, though, who they didn't draft? They got Kevin Durant. He seems pretty good. Right. And, like, they keep finding centers. Um, I guess they drafted both of their centers this year. But, like, the Warriors have built through the draft, and that's one way to do it. I would say the Warriors have built through the draft, just realistically. Um, Right. They won that first title entirely through the draft, right? And Um, Andre Wadala, free agency. Right. And And Sean Livingston, free agency. I mean, listen, you, you can argue that the draft is the most important ingredient in the recipe but to just say that that's the only that's the only that's the only ingredient which is essentially what paxton was doing is it's just asininely stupid yeah and like you look at the raptors the raptors have had like six or seven straight years of 45 plus wins and uh they traded kyle they got like kyle lowry for i think a top 20 mm-hmm. pick and they got Kawhi leonard for demar Derozan, and they got and danny pick. green within that pick uh within that yeah. trade they got serge Ibaka for Terrence Ross, who was kind of not like a failed lottery pick, but yeah, but he wasn't, he wasn't the guy that they thought he'd be. Yeah. Like certainly not like some incredible selection that they made. Right. Um, right. Fred Van Vliet, they got off the scrap heap. Like, let's just be real about the way that Fred has come up through this league. Um, Jonas Valanciunas was a top five pick and that's great. Jonas is also not their starting center now. And the <laughs> other guy that they got, uh, Andre, Andrea Bargnani didn't really get anything there. Um, right. They also got, uh, DeMar DeRozan, which is great, and they used that asset onward, and they have found their way. Um, but it's just, like Chris Bosh, they ended up with very little in return, if I remember correctly. So, Well, I, I mean, the, the, the asinine part of it, too, is like the Bulls' two best players were acquired via trade. <laughs> like, oh, no. Whatever. I like uh, the Pacers, too. They're fun. Yeah, I like the Pacers. Uh, the, the Bulls, by the way, should be like in all of these discussions for all of these stars and they are not and that is that is as much an indictment of this entire thing as everything else yeah isn't that some bullshit yeah they can't even lose in that it's bad it's really bad okay well i'm gonna go be sad in chicago now thank okay you. uh yeah you're in chicago right now uh yeah tell, tell the people what you've got going on in your life dieter oh, i'm in chicago i'm gonna hang around here for a while um I'm gonna take some time baby I don't know. I'll watch the Warriors game. I'll write about the Warriors game and all that crap. I got one more weekend of NFL I got to handle. But um, you know, otherwise, just laying low, living it right, getting re recharged because it's about to be a hellscape with baseball and all this stuff coming up, and then the Warriors playoffs, which is a three month fever dream. So, well, or not? Maybe it's a one month fever dream with this team. Never know. San Jose Mercury News, East Bay Times at D Kurtenbach on Twitter. Go subscribe to the podcast. Uh leave ratings reviews etc that really helps other people find the podcast we'll be back at some point and downvote anything with cole's wicker he is now my mortal (laughs) enemy uh cole will be back at some point soon i don't know when i'm kind of trying to before i get back i'm trying to take a couple of days here just to like recharge a little bit i am gonna have something coming up as an addendum to the top 100 board that i filed on christmas eve um 2000 not the top 2000 but it's already 2000 words on the seer little and cam reddish so like there you go um we'll have some more stuff coming though until next time we'll talk soon bye